Hello, this is Dwayne Recreary, the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast on this second session of our study of Ephesians. Today, I'm joined by David Briscoe. David, glad you're with us today. Thank you very much, uh, Dwayne. And uh, if you'd be all right with you, I'd like to take a personal uh, note this morning just to, to talk about the writer for the Explore the Bible commentary uh, this Which, That's quarter. what you edit. It is what I edit and uh, work on. And so uh, Dr. Kendall Easley was the writer for this uh, quarter of studies in the book of Ephesians. And uh, Dr. Easley went home to be with the Lord on January the 28th, 2019. He had uh, battled leukemia and related illnesses. And I just wanted to say a word in memoriam of uh, Dr. Easley. He was a friend to Lifeway, a frequent writer, not only of Sunday school materials, including the Explore the Bible materials, uh, but also uh, Christian scholarly materials as well. He was, uh, he was a writer of a Harmony of the Gospels. Uh, he had a book on user-friendly Greek, and he, uh, he wrote Living with the End in Sight, which was uh, meditation on the, Meditations on the Book of Revelation, which I, I thought was a very notable title in, in terms of that's the way he lived mm-hmm. uh, with the end in sight. Uh, Dr. Easley was uh, a humble family man, uh, a teacher, a pastor, but a New Testament scholar, and as I said, a writer for uh, Lifeway for many years. And so I, I hope that um, the, these sessions, in, especially in the uh, Explore the Bible commentary, uh, will certainly show forth uh, his love for the Lord, his love for the Scriptures, uh, and explaining them to others. Well, I count it a privilege for us to have had the opportunity to work with Dr. Easley and for him to be a part of the team, and, and I look forward to seeing him again once I'm in heaven. Amen. Um, session two, we're looking at a prayer uh, by Paul that's recorded in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. He begins this prayer talking about the knowledge of God in verses 15 through 17. He expresses uh, his sincere prayer for his readers here, explaining that he constantly was praying for them to know God better in their salvation. He also, in verses 18 and 19, looks at the hope of God. He stated that he prayed for his readers to more deeply understand the hope that's found in Christ, to the value of their inheritance of salvation, and the demonstration of God's power. We are to grow as believers. We're to grow in hope and power uh, as we fully understand our calling in Christ. He then concludes this prayer in verses 20 and 23 through 23, talking about the power of God. He emphasizes the power seen in Christ's resurrection and exaltation as being the same power that secures our salvation. Uh, we can live with confidence in the power of the resurrection of Christ, uh, and that's an important part of this prayer. David, let's just jump right in here looking at this, this passage. Paul cites uh, Psalms 110, uh, which happens to be the most cited psalm in the New Testament. Um, it's the focus of our Bible skill for this session. How can we use this Bible skill in our group time? Well, the Bible skill uh, is an opportunity for 
um, for learners, for leaders to uh, just grow more confident and uh, skilled in their use of the Bible. So uh, I would just say first off that uh, the Bible skill could be used during the session as an in-session activity. Uh, individuals could work on the Bible skill or they could work uh, in smaller groups. Uh, or another option might be to use the Bible skill uh, as an after-session activity uh, where they follow up uh, with uh, seeking to uh, learn more about uh, the background of what Paul was writing uh, in Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Uh, let, me, let me say a little other about uh, what the Bible skill itself calls for in this case, and it is an opportunity to observe uh, how a New Testament passage uses an Old Testament quotation or an illusion uh, from the Old Testament there. And so Psalm 110 is a wonderful psalm. It's a royal psalm. In other words, it's talking about the uh, king of God's people and his, the king's nature, its functions. And in this case, Psalm 110 is talking about the king as a priestly king, someone who serves as both the king of God's people and also as a priest of God's people. And so it's not surprising then that uh, when the New Testament writers were trying to uh, talk about Jesus and to explain who he was, uh, then that they would find uh, great help in uh, the Old Testament, Psalm 110. Uh, and it really gets at two questions for Christians. Uh, and that's Christians now as well as uh, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians. And that is, well, where is Jesus Christ now? If he's the resurrected Lord, where is he now? Well, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's spoken about in Psalm 110, verse 1. Well, what's he doing? And that's where the psalm indicates that he is reigning over uh, the creation. He's sovereign over creation. And at the same time, serving as believers great high priest. Uh, we might remember that from the book of Hebrews as Jesus serves as the great high priest. So he is indeed the priestly king. And this Bible skill will help uh, learners and leaders to uh, understand that better uh, as Jesus' function even today. It does give us a strong um, lesson on prayer there in the role that Jesus plays in prayer where he is the one who is our mediator, the one to whom we pray, knowing that he represents us to the Father. Absolutely. Um, Paul presents, beginning in verse 18 here, David, Paul presents a string of superlatives and requests. Um, let's think, how are those, those requests or those superlatives connected to each other? Well, it actually starts back in verse 17. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the good thing to remember is that uh, these are part of Paul's prayer. And I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have heard Paul pray in a public setting, in a corporate worship setting. Uh, but, of course, we get uh, the content of what he might have prayed uh, publicly uh, as he wrote in, this, uh, in the book of Ephesians because he uh, said to uh, the uh, people to whom he was writing uh, that since I heard about your faith— uh, I never stop giving 
thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. So Paul had been praying for the people in Ephesus. And so he then begins to talk about the things that he was praying about. What was he praying for uh, the Ephesian believers? Uh, And so it's interesting to note in verse 17 that he said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, so he's mentioned there two persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, would give you the spirit of wisdom. And if your English translation has the word spirit capitalized, it means that those translators are taking that to be a reference to the Holy Spirit. So really, Paul is praying and he is calling upon all the persons of the Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And he's praying that the that this God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, would give them spiritual enlightenment, that he would give them hope that is in their calling, that is, Christ has called them to salvation. So there is that hope. And then he speaks of the wealth of your inheritance. Uh, he's spoken already about the fact that Christians have this inheritance, uh, and the Spirit of God is the guarantee of that inheritance. And then fourth, he, he talks about the immeasurable greatness of the power available, and that's what he was getting to, uh, because he was speaking to people in Ephesus who were living really in a cauldron of pagan religion. And uh, the, the pagan religions often had the backing of the state, the Roman Empire, whereas Christianity did not. And so there could be persecution, there could be uh, opposition, and the Christians needed to know that they had an immeasurable power available to them. Why? Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. In him, this power is made available to them. He ends this prayer with this phrase, the fullness of him who feels everything, in verse 23. Um, how can we help our group understand the nuances of that? Because I know there's various ways of understanding what that phrase means, the fullness of him who feels everything. All right. Well, just for clarity, let me read verses 22 and 23 uh, where Paul wrote, he subjected everything under his feet. By the way, that's an Old Testament quotation as well from Psalm 8, 6. So he's talking about Christ, the Lord, the Father, subjected everything under Christ's feet and and you're reading a, from the CSB, right? I am. Okay. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. Uh, and appointed him, Christ, as head over everything for the church. And then verse 23 says, which is his body. Now, that's a reference to the church, no doubt. Paul has already been talking about the church as the body of Christ. So, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. All right. It's that last part of that verse that's uh, kind of difficult to understand. And really, uh, New Testament scholars have, have uh, suggested three possible ways that you could understand that. Uh, one of them is an emphasis on uh, Christ's deity. In other words, the phrase, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way, 
can refer back to the him, that is Christ, as head. And that uh, understanding, then, it, it would really be an emphasis on Christ's deity, his sovereignty. He is the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Another possible understanding is an emphasis on the church uh, as the fulfillment of God's plan to create a redeemed people in Christ. And so uh, he appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body. And then here we have this, the fullness. So this particular understanding says that the fullness is in some way the church fulfilling, making full God's plan to have a redeemed people. And that plan had been working uh, really since the creation of the world, and it has come to its uh, come to its summit, come to its fulfillment in Christ through the church. So the church uh, fulfills that. That's a second possible understanding. And a third one is that it's an emphasis again on the church, the body of Christ that's in the world. Uh, and the world, the church then in the world is filled with his spirit. It's the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ. And so as they are obedient to Christ as the head of the church, then they uh, complete or fulfill the fullness of what Christ came uh, to do. So the best way I could... Number one idea is it's about Christ's deity. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's about the church and his body, uh, which would the body of Christ uh, being complete or filled. And then the third one is just the church, and the focus there is more about the church's obedience, mm-hmm. and that feeling comes through the obedience. Right. Okay. That, that, through the church is the way Christ is still operating in the world by filling the church and the church then filling the world uh, with the presence of Christ um, uh, as they are obedient to him and serve him. Okay. Um, The the Trinity, you've already mentioned, the Trinity is seen in this passage. Um, What's revealed about the role each member of the Trinity plays, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? All right. Well, uh, of course, we don't learn everything about the Trinity, but we learn some some very important things. Uh, one thing is that the Father is the one to whom we pray. Uh, Paul said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. So, you know, he was directing his prayers to the Father, and he is the source as well, the source of all of the gifts that he's going to talk about, the the results, the things that happen uh, to believers in Christ and through Christ. Uh, Their source is uh, in God the Father. And of course, the Son, Jesus Christ, he's called our Lord Jesus Christ. So that very title says something about him. He is our Lord. He's the sovereign. Uh, He is the one that's in control. And uh, he is the Messiah, the Savior. And so he is carrying out the Father's plan. He was resurrected and seated at the Father's right hand. So he's the Lord of all. And I like to put it this way. He rules over the church, and he overrules 
all that is evil. That's, that's the meaning of filling something. He's ruling over the church. He's overruling all that is evil. Pushes it all out of the way. Pushes it out of the way. He overrules it. Um, what can we learn about how we pray for others from this passage, David? Well, uh, I, I took several things from this. One is that prayer is, is really not about making announcements. Yeah. <laughs> prayer is talking to God <laughs> about him and his will for you and also his will for others. Uh, that's what Paul said, that he prayed that the God the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So prayer's about knowing God better and talking to him and learning his will for you and for others. And prayer can call for bold requests. Uh, in other words, we will never ask God for something bigger than he can do. And so sometimes we're, we're timid in our prayers thinking, well, I don't know if God can really do this. Well, we need to brush that aside. We'll never ask God anything uh, that is bigger than he can do. And another thing that I learned from this is that prayer cannot go wrong when it's scripturally based. In other words, when we pray God's word to him, we know we're praying the truth. And so if Paul, uh, where, where Paul called upon those uh, Old Testament passages to, to help him form uh, the words that he wanted to say to God in behalf of the Ephesians, uh, that's a good practice for us as well. Pray Scripture. Yeah, praying the Scripture is not something new to our generation. It's something that was done by the apostles, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, Paul did, for sure. Yeah. Um, any other things you would want to say about this particular session, David? No, I think uh, Ephesians is such a great study, and this is these uh, passages, uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, is, uh, you know, it, it speaks of prayer, and so it's uh, important for us and uh, certainly worth our time in digging deep into uh, these verses. Yeah, Paul gives us a glimpse here of what God desires for us as believers. Uh, He's praying this for himself as well. It's what he's wanting to see happen in his life, which is what he wants to see happen in every believer's life. Thank you for joining us today. Next week we'll be looking at session three, where we look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. I uh, encourage you to be back for that. Uh, let me just remind you that if you go to blog.lifeway.com forward slash explore the Bible, if you hit the downloads button that's across the top, you're going to see something called Weekly Extra. You you uh, go to that particular page. You can bookmark it so you can find it easier in the future. You're going to find a news article that's identified. You'll find a summary of a current news event, and you'll find two ideas, one that will tell you how to use that news, news article to uh, introduce the lesson, and then another idea that tell, tell you how to use that same article to conclude the lesson. We hope you find that helpful. Thank you much, and God bless.